Okay, so today I'm gonna talk about things that are to do with things. Yeah, yeah, I think that looks good. My voice is a little bit lower than yours, but I think it comes clearer. You talk louder than me anyway, though, right? So. Actually, I think you talk louder than me. Oh, really? Let's let the listeners decide who talks the loudest. Well, we know who farts the loudest. Yeah, totally me. Hi, this is Kale Wharton. Hi, this is Jessica Barton. And this is... This is Gone Gone Global. Global. Gone Gone Global. (laughs) This is our podcast. This is the podcast that we do because we don't see each other any other time during the week. This week has been pretty okay, actually. I think we've seen each other. That's because I've had to go to your work twice this week. Yeah, that's true. I love you so, so much. (laughs) You brought me dinner. And lunch, and it was really nice. Thank you. Let's make this, let's call this podcast Gone Kale, the podcast about all the great things Kale does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be your host, Kale Lord, <laughs> and we will just talk and about- And you interview people and uh, say how great you are. And, ta- and and we'll talk about how great I am. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, future guests will obviously be my mom. Um, oof, it'll be a tough choice because I can't decide which one would say- Better things. Neither. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. Okay. We'll get a grandma for sure. Mm -hmm. It'll be the one who can't hear anything. So she will be able to direct the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then what we'll do. I've got it. Here's what we'll do. We'll get get a a seance going. We'll get a Ouija board. And we'll we'll get Grandma Donna to talk about how great I am. Mm -hmm. She'll love it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is Gun Global. This is a podcast <laughs> where we talk about all the interesting things in the world between cultures. Yes. Uh, did you learn anything this week? Ooh. You know, I did, actually. So I went nice. to a presentation about um, a virtual exhibition and how kind of digital tools are constructed for exhibition purposes. So I learned a few things in that. Couldn't tell you what they were anymore, but it was quite interesting. Okay. <laughs> How about you? Did you learn anything this week? That is a pained expression right there. <laughs> no. I'm I'm trying to learn how to play the role-playing game Mutants and Masterminds. Ooh, that sounds fun. And I I don't know if I have the brain to make the formulas for you know, like the fighting and the and the uh, uh, the investigations and the the I, I don't know if I have the brain to make the game mechanics work. Oh, I'm sure you do. Is it is it kind of like Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, it's okay. it's Dungeons and Dragons, but with superheroes. Oh, okay. So, but there's still the kind of dice roll, right? Hit points, math, thing. mechanics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think you go first this week. Oh, I think I do. Well, so mine is going to be something that I thought was really timely and really great. Hold on. Let's talk about the topic. So the topic this week was customs. Yes, indeed. Which 
I interpreted, and I think you interpreted it as well because I told you to interpret it this way, <laughs> uh, sort of like traditions, like yeah. like historic yeah. traditions. Yeah. Okay. Well, glad we're on the same page as you were. Um, so, but I thought it would be super topical and super relevant because of timing, but then you pointed out to me that we're actually four weeks behind recording to real time. That's right. That's right. So we're currently recording the week before my topic, which is all about Easter. So for us, it'll be next week. For you guys, it'll be three weeks ago. So I hope you had a great Easter. <laughs> I hope I hope that on this shifting day that the Lord has risen and blessed your eggs and hidden them all appropriately and that the Easter bunny has given you all the chocolate for your sins okay i don't think that's how any of that works but you actually raised some interesting points so i i sort of wondered what our different easter traditions are well you just found out all mine so yeah and apparently very odd and i think you've misunderstood everything uh so i guess we'll uh, we'll talk about that um, we haven't actually had many Easter's together, have we? We had last year in New Zealand. I came to New York for Easter one year, but I think that's it. Um, but it would have been during school. Yeah. Did we do anything while we were at? I think we had. University? I think we did have a dinner. Um, we must have. Done. And I think you made everyone eggs. Yes. Yes, I you did. You and Aaron did. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. But so it's been a weird kind of. And I was realizing this as I was researching this, that I haven't actually had a lot of Easter's at home recently. So, like, I'm sort of forgetting what all the traditions are anyway, because... Because we're making our own. Yeah, but also, like, I've been away and I... Easter wasn't really such a, a, a big thing to get back for. For me, it's kind of like going back for Christmas is more important because mm. that's a bigger deal. Mm. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk about it, nonetheless. Um, so, the official Easter period in the UK begins today, for us today, um, which is Palm Sunday. Um, and that is, as I'm sure you know, I probably don't need to tell you any of the religious stuff really, but um, kind of, I will anyway. So It's probably for the best. You yeah. want to refresh all the all our heathen listeners. <laughs> Um, but Palm Sunday is when Jesus comes into the town and the town welcomes them with palm leaves. So the traditional service in the UK is that um, you go to church and you get a, a cross made out of a palm leaf. Huh. Yeah, which is quite a nice thing to have. And then the whole week for that is called Holy Week. So various events happen in this week and it's it's fer- it's a fairly somber week. There's lots of church services Um bell ringing for example which i used to do the bells don't ring during that week it's, oh, a, it's a quiet week hmm. um so even like practices and stuff don't happen and that now from my research apparently this isn't everywhere but it's it, just like the majority choose to do that it's not everywhere yeah hmm. but in in my um bell tower we we used to observe that um, you don't do any competitive ringing, so you can do 
um, rings of bells that last for three hours, 45 minutes, which are called peels and quarter peels, and it's kind of competitive. Well, not competitive really, but there's a goal to it, rather than just ringing for a service. It's something you do to, to be able to get a certain number and a certain time. You, um, so you're saying you don't do that? You don't do Easter. that during Holy Week. During Holy Week, yeah. right, okay. The, some places they do do their weekly practices, but mm-hmm. others they don't. Um, so it's quite a quiet summer week. Um, and then we get to Thursday, which is Maundy Thursday. Now It's what? Maundy Thursday. M-A-U-N-D-Y. And what this comes from is the commandment to love your neighbor as you love thyself. And it's kind of an observation of giving to people less fortunate and sort of sharing things a little bit. Maundy. 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 Yeah. There is a ceremony that the Queen participates in because, of course, the monarchy get involved in literally everything we do. Um, But in this ceremony, the monarch distributes money to deserving senior citizens and it's one man and one woman for each year of the monarch's life. So the poor Queen this year has got to do what 92 so she's got to do 184 people which is wild wait what so for each year of her life she picks a senior citizen to give a coin to oh it's just a coin i'll tell you in a minute so okay wait sorry so it's a man and a woman yes so each year of her life so it's 100 oh okay i see so because she so she's ninety two. I think. So with a man and a woman it would be a hundred and eighty. Hundred and eighty four. Four. Shouldn't be tired doing Where's she all gonna of get that? all those coins? Well, so I'm about what, to What is tell she Scrooge you that, McDuck? I mean she's also like the monarch, so but it's a to... it's a special silver penny that is made for this ceremony alone. So, so this isn't like Yeah, this isn't real Currency. I'm sure you could, but I'm not sure if people would because presumably it'd be worth a lot more a than deal. an actual penny because it's a special minted coin that's made just for this ceremony. Um, and in fact, these coins haven't changed. So it's the, still the first picture of the queen on the coin from when that coin was first made when she came to the throne. What are they called? The what? coins? Maundy coins, I think. But anyway, so she gives them out, and how it works is you each person gets a white envelope and a red envelope. Now, the white envelope contains one silver penny for each year of the monarch's reign. So not her age, but how many years she's been on the throne is okay. in the white envelope. And it's so it'll be, God, what's she on now? 60-something years? So it'll be 60-odd. Here's some from 1937 that are $800. Yeah, see, they're probably fairly expensive. Dang, you get that from the queen. You just sell it. Yeah, exactly. So it's not exactly worth a penny, but it's a symbolic thing. It's 1,200. Okay. Ooh, it's George the Sixth. Yeah, so because it's been going since Edward the First, and even before his reign, so even in the... I think it said it dates back to kind of 1300s, 1400s, that members of the royal household would give gifts to the poor on Maundy Thursday. Um, there was also a tradition of washing their feet, hmm. but that hasn't happened since James II. So, like, Weird. I wonder <laughs> yeah. why. 
1790s. I do not know my kings and history, but that hasn't happened in a long time. Um, so yeah, so they get the white purse with the silver pennies. They also get a red purse. And at the moment it is money again. So they get an extra bit of money. I'm not sure how much that is. Probably some more pennies. But what that red envelope used to be was like gifts. So it'd be food, clothing for the poor. Hmm. Um, so now if they did it, it might be something like an iPod. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Potentially. Um, so that's an an interesting aspect of that. Um, apparently it's also a thing too that the Pope does this on Monday, Thursday, that he washes people's feet in Rome, hmm. which I'd never known about before. So this is the Thursday, and then Good Friday, we get to, obviously, when Jesus is crucified, um, and I feel like I've told this to you, and you were very shocked by it, but in the UK, generally, if you are even vaguely observing a religion, you don't eat meat on Good Friday? Uh... I feel like I have heard that outside of... Yeah. I don't think I really experienced it until I was in college mm. and was around a bit more of a, a Catholic mm-hmm. uh, group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I have, I have heard that. See, and it's interesting because the majority of the UK isn't actually Catholic anymore. The majority is Church of England. And I don't know where it came from entirely. I assume it was a Catholic thing that's just been sort of, everybody does it just because you do. <laughs> um, so yeah, you don't eat meat. And then Easter Sunday is obviously the big so celebration. All the it's meat. breaking the fast. It's usually a lamb, I would say, you eat for Easter. Or like a Sacrifice duck. Sacrifice the lamb. Sacrifice um, the duck. Yeah, I guess so. And... Um, so in the lead up to all of this, you have Holy Week and everything, um, but you also have various celebrations. So we have Easter bonnet competitions in school. Now, is this a bonnet as I would know it, a great big hat? Yes, exactly. Oh. Um, so kids have competitions in their schools to make the best bonnets and you put chickens on them, not real ones. Well, I guess you could put real ones on if you really wanted to. That would be the winning for sure. <laughs> Um, glue a chicken onto the hat. <laughs> I mean, you probably get the the animal protection out on you. Only if you're caught. <laughs> I think you'd be caught pretty easily if you had a chicken on your head. No, you don't think. I don't okay, know. you're yeah, welcome to try. I don't know. Um, it's Liverpool. <laughs> Seen a lot worse. Yeah, well, it's not just a Liverpool thing; it's a nationwide thing. But it's been around for a long, long time. It was a European tradition from the 1870s, and it's kind of uh, the symbol of kind of spring and a refreshing of your persona and your clothes, so you get a new hat, but it doesn't have to be a new hat, you just kind of fancy it up a little bit, so you make something new. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, dates from 1870s in Europe, but what made it famous in popular culture was that it became part of the Easter Parade in New York, which went down Fifth Avenue in the 1920s. Hmm. Um, And this was kind of, you know, just pre-Depression when people didn't have much. So it was a a thing of celebration and, okay, you don't have to buy a new hat, but have a little luxury of making a a new hat from what you already have. Wasn't, when we were in New York, 
wasn't there like a a bonnet parade or I something? I think so, yeah. On Easter? Yeah. So it's it's been a tradition right the way through, which hmm. I found interesting too. It mixes our two cultures. But ours is, ours is definitely more in schools and it's more for kids, really. Yeah, uh, our schools don't, uh, our public schools don't traditionally recognize Easter other than having the holiday. Mm-hmm. And I found I find this interesting too, that you know in America when religion is so prevalent in s- governing matters that you guys don't, but we do when we pretend we're all hoity-toity and religion has no influence on us and blah blah blah, but. All of our public schools sing hymns, but yours, observe Christian holidays. Yours, your public and private are different from ours, right? Yeah, I'm using public in your term, and yeah, no, no, because no, yeah, I'm using it in your term. So for us, public, I don't think so, I'm because for us, so for us, public is basically tax-funded sort of government-run mm-hmm. schools. Yeah. Private would be, I, more often than not, probably church-run, mm. more religious-based. Okay. We Because like, we say public school boys, but that means like Eton and rich fee-paying schools, I think. But then, I, I don't know, I'm getting really huh. confused. <laughs> But anyway, we religion is in all of our regular local schools that you don't need any you don't have to pass an exam, you don't have to pay for. They're just regular schools. Huh. But religion is in them. But I think nowadays they they do observe and recognize other religions holidays too and kind of Okay. acknowledge those yeah. and say you know some of our children are celebrating this here's what happens and right. you know you make some crafts or things for it right i think nowadays but back in my day mm. it was pretty much solely christian you had to walk 40 miles to celebrate your religion barefoot yes. in the snow <laughs> indeed um so that's easter we have a lot of foods that are kind of focused around easter we have chocolate eggs um, which came about in the 1870s, again from Europe. Um, the first Fabergé egg, you know, the jeweled mm-hmm. eggs, really famous ones. That was an Easter gift in 1883 for Empress Maria of Russia. Um, and then the first chocolate egg came to the UK in 1875, but it was really slow to catch on because it was really difficult to produce them. And it wasn't until milk chocolate came around in the 1890s that it was actually able to be mass produced because there's there's some way of separating the cocoa and and the butter or something to make it and it wasn't readily available up until the 1890s. Hmm. So that was when it first became popular. And it's I, I see chocolate eggs in Europe, but not to the same extent that the UK has them. It's really like that's the thing you do. There's nothing else. Like here it's kind of like an egg is a second thought. And you have the painted eggs and things. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot more chocolate and then sort of smaller shaped eggs. Yeah. And then like uh, rabbits and Mm -hmm. sheep here. Mm -hmm. 
here in Luxembourg. Yeah. But for you guys, at least in my experience, you go for like giant honking football sized chocolate eggs yep. that have stuff inside exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's our Easter thing. We don't really do other things very much. Like now, you know, you get lint bunnies and stuff, but really it's just the eggs. Do you guys do the Easter egg hunt? Yep. Is the football egg isn't part of that, right? So that's usually the prize. So you usually get little eggs that you have to find and say if you find 10, you get to get the big egg or something. Okay. So we do do that, yeah, which is fun. Huh. Yeah, so we pretty much, I mean, other than like church, it's mostly you get together with your family, Mm -hmm. you have a big ham dinner, Mm. and then the kids do the Easter egg hunt. Yeah, I mean, that's fairly similar to what we do on the actual day. I think there's more of a build-up for Holy Week and for the celebrations and school things that happen. But yeah, that's pretty much what we do too. Mm. The uh, I guess I guess the night before, we would paint the eggs. Mm. The way the way it would work for us is there would be there would be the painted eggs, mm-hmm. which are real. Um, I guess hard boiled eggs. Yeah, yeah. And then depending, you know, depending on the the various uh, celebration, uh, various parties, a lot of them bring plastic eggs filled with like money or candy. Oh, or, interesting. Okay, and it, it makes the hunt a little bit more fun. Yeah, that sounds good. Mm. Um, yeah, eggs is a big thing, both as a pre-Christian thing and as the Christian thing of just like a symbol of spring and rebirth and. Mm fertility and stuff um there are egg rolling competitions that still happen if you roll a hard-boiled egg down you see who who's wins or you can do them when they're not hard-boiled and you can see who smashes first oh i didn't find too much information on this but they do still exist sounds like it'd be fun yeah um we have a lot of cakes and breads uh we have hot cross buns that Mm. are sweet buns with um raisins baked into them and um they're done with a cross cut into them do you remember the ones we had in new zealand chocolate chocolate and banana they were so good oh yeah they were dope yeah i miss them i haven't had any i might actually make some for next week if they're not banana i'm not interested (laughs) all right i'll eat them all myself then never make another i'll never eat another hot cross bun unless it's banana Mm -hmm. well that was a unique new zealand thing i've got to say um, I do have one little thing for you to try. Okay. If you'd like to. Are you going to make me? Yes. All right. So we can open the box. Oh, it looks like it contains almonds. I don't think I'll... Uh, yeah. I'm allergic. Not. Just I'm kidding. Allergic. I'm not. I eat almonds all the time. I'm a specimen of a man. Mm-hmm. So this is a lemon bakewell. Okay. Well, you don't like it? <laughs> I don't... I don't traditionally like bakewells no but you like lemon right no oh man all right well you bite yours and then i'll probably finish yours then all right here we go it's it's stuck behind my teeth (laughs) nope i don't even taste a lemon um i'm not crazy about it all right i'll finish yours then but that's just one of the type of things we have a lot of like pastely colors cakes Uh uh-huh For the season. Right. So, that's Easter. 
trying to think of what foods deviled eggs obviously which now that i say it out loud in this particular topic is kind of ironic <laughs> is is it obviously on easter the big holiday where you celebrate jesus you're eating deviled eggs yeah no yeah. all right <laughs> kind of ironic is now deviled eggs is like remind me again what that actually is it's the yolk mixed with like paprika right uh, more or less yeah paprika and like i don't i don't know what else you take the yolk out and you mix it with other stuff they the it's typically a bit uh tangy mm. this is after hard boiling them yes you take okay yes um Ooh, i don't know i'll have to ask my my mom what she does yeah like she, i know i know like deviled eggs is always like at parties and things but. yeah for us it's like an easy holiday mm-hmm. thing yeah i'll have to see i'll have to maybe we could share my mom's deviled eggs recipe hmm be good. I don't know if it's anything special or not, but I like them. Yeah, I bet it's really good. All right, so that's my thing. I'm sorry, everybody, that it's actually three weeks late. A month later. <laughs> Wait, that's the game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week I'm gonna talk about uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh. As far as historical traditions go, America is fairly young. Yes, so, which I rub in your face all the time. I'm just a boy. Especially in Europe when I'm like, ha, that building's older than your country. Yep. So a lot of our stuff isn't very long-standing um, as far as uh, like history goes. Mm-hmm. So the Pledge of Allegiance has only been around not even 130 years. Mm. But what's interesting is, especially as I've grown up, a lot of this stuff... Americans sort of try to make it feel like it's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Well, you know there was no world before America, right? Well, of course. But the fact of the matter is, it just hasn't. It just hasn't been yeah. that way. <laughs> um, the first... Wait, hold on. Do you have, in your exposure to American culture, do you have any idea what our Pledge of Allegiance is? I pledge to... Be real careful here. <laughs> I don't know. No. I pledge... I feel like I've had it in popular culture. I pledge allegiance to the hot dogs of America and to the hamburgers and apple pie. That sounds right, yeah. <laughs> One baseball game under God. Um, What's that from? Nothing. <laughs> I, that was all. Off the top of the dome, baby. Oh. So... The first official version was written around 1892. There have been revisions made in uh, 1923-24, and the final version was uh, finished in 1954. Mm. So the first uh, version was, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation indivisible with liberty and justice for all. That was written by, well... Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me say the next one. Okay. The current one. Okay. So this is the current official version according to Title Four, Chapter 1, Section 4 of the Code of the Laws of the United States of America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, can you take a guess as to who says the Pledge of Allegiance? 
Everybody. Yeah, <laughs> basically. The pledge was created by basically two people. The The official version, the, the first one I, I read, was actually written and spread around by a Baptist minister named Francis Bellamy. He said, at the beginning of the 1890s, patriotism and national feeling was at a low ebb. The patriotic ardor of the Civil War was an old story, and the time was ripe for a reawakening of simple Americanism, and the leaders in the new movement rightly felt that patriotic education should begin in public schools. Oof. Um, when, what year did the Civil War end? 65, officially. Okay. So yeah, it was people that... So it would have been... There was quite a while after that. It would have been the next sort of generation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and so basically, yeah, this guy was just like, well, after all this, we need to remind everyone that we are one country. Mm-hmm. So another another gentleman, James Upham, felt depth. <laughs> Spell it. Upham. Oh, not like Upham. Upham. <laughs> uh, James Upham, quote, felt that a flag should be on every schoolhouse. So his publication fostered a plan of selling flags to schools through. Uh, two schools through the children themselves at cost, which was so successful, excuse me, that 25,000 schools acquired flags in the first year. Why did all that money go then? Probably making them. Yeah. So I, I guess I guess they, it was the first American fundraiser was to mm. get, to get a, to get a school, a flag in every schoolhouse. Sounds Pretty American, to, to be fair. <laughs> um, so the other guy that's credited with cre- creating the, the Pledge of Allegiance is Captain George T. Bulk, a Civil War veteran and the auditor of the New York Board of Education at the time. Mm-hmm. And it basically seems like he just decided America needed one. Fair, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was his first version which was used alongside Bellamy's until 1923. So they were both said. Was there a difference in what they were said? Was there like a north-south divide, like Civil War stuff? I don't think so. Okay. At least I couldn't come up with any in my research. I think yeah. it was just kind of widespread, just whoever. Pick which one you whatever. want. <laughs> yeah. Was it the schools that decided then? It was eventually Congress. Oh, okay. Um, Made the so okay. Let me let me read you uh, bulks, and I guess you can decide which one's better. Okay. We give our heads and hearts to God and our country. One country, one language, one flag. Hmm. It's really quite different, actually, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Bulk was big on teaching children, especially the children of immigrants, loyal to the loyalty to the United States. So so yeah, basically. Um, Bellamy's version was ratified in 1923, and it was that was the version. Now, the current version was done in 1954. Okay. That's the one, the longer one, that the final sort of draft of it, which had the addition of Under God. Mm-hmm. In 1948, a man named Louis Albert Bowman was a member of the Sons of the American Revolution, added the words under God into the pledge. He claimed that he got the idea from Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. Although that is contested because linguists have said at the time that Lincoln said under God 
in context in the context of god willing right okay in the in the speech okay and so from that point the addition of the words the words under god didn't go through until 1954 and it was basically pushed through because president dwight d eisenhower had recently been baptized as a presbyterian and he was real excited about it Hmm. this is a quote from eisenhower from an article titled god in america colon god in the white house uh, an article about the religious beliefs from our many presidents from this day forward the millions of our school children will daily proclaim in every city and every town every village and rural schoolhouse the dedication of our nation and our people to the almighty in this way, we are reaffirming the transcendence of religious faith in America's heritage and future. In this way, we shall constantly strengthen those spiritual weapons which forever will be our country's most powerful resource in peace or in war. Hmm. Uh, one aspect I'm quite interested in is the um, one country, one language, one flag thing. It's very... Um, nationalist? It is very nationalist, yeah, but it's... It's kind of an interesting thing to me, you know, particularly you think of the 20th century and just the history of immigration mm. into the United States and after World War II when this was finalized in 54. Mm. It's a very, um, it is very nationalistic, but it's completely ignoring all those people that influx, you know, the Irish people, the Eastern European people, like it's it's very interesting historically and it's it's kind of like forced assimilation you know like they have to say this pledge they have to forget everything else that they look at and it's kind of it's interesting that you say that this guy was interested in educating immigrants or rather bulk yeah what was the actual word you said i i said several i don't what do you mean well, no, it, you used a particular word. It was like educating, but it was also a bit more like he wanted to convert them, as it were, to American life. He was big on teaching children, especially the children of immigrants, loyalty to the United States. Okay, loyalty. There it is. Okay. Um, And I don't know if you've <laughs> kind of read George Takei's writings about um Japanese internment camps. Hmm. So during World War Two, they interned all Japanese people mm-hmm. who had no nothing to do with war or anything. They just mass interned them all. Right. But they all had to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And in fact, George Takei has written a play called Allegiance because mm-hmm. he said that it was just this insane contrast that they had to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the country that was imprisoning them. Mm. And they had to do it every day. And I just I just find that really interesting. It, to me, their idea was to unite the country and everything. But to me, it feels very othering to everybody else that you must accept this. You must pledge your allegiance to this country. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask, what age do you start saying this? I think the first time I ever said it was probably six that would have been first mm-hmm. grade for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So basically officially entering school age. Right. Okay. You know, proper school age, not like, 
Oh, you're learning your colors. Mm-hmm. Because, it, uh, yeah, I just, I just find all of this interesting. And this is not trying to comment on it at all, but I think our two topics link quite well together in education and mm. what you make kids do is a bit of a stretch, but, you know, like... The, uh, the the Pledge of Allegiance has had quite a bit of controversy mm-hmm. uh, behind it, just as you say, for exactly the the reason you say it. But specifically, there were there was a lot of controversy around the under God part, mm-hmm. and a lot of the uh, controversy is that the um, the pledge, the way it's said, is is that you're you know it's essentially making children give an oath. Mm-hmm. of allegiance mm-hmm. to something that they don't understand mm-hmm. exactly and that they, i think that's my big thing is it is that they make everybody do that and they make everybody do it from a very early age mm-hmm. like you don't you don't sign legal documents you don't pledge legal things until you're 18 um you know like yeah, yeah. um or that you are you know 16 with sound mind and parental permission or whatever like do they ever ask parents' permission slips to say the Pledge of Allegiance? I highly doubt it. No. Uh, in 2010, uh, and possibly possibly um, later uh, or earlier, but the it seems like most, most legal cases against the Pledge of Allegiance have sort of cropped up as recently as the 1990s and 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2010, in a unanimous decision... The the United States Court of Appeals for the first cir- for the First Circuit in Boston affirmed a ruling that the the Pledge of Allegiance was technically voluntary. The pledge's reference to God does not violate non pledging students' rights if student participation in the pledge is voluntary. Mm. And there was there was this weird case that I read about where let me see if I can find it. There was this weird case where a child was, I guess, frustrated at the fact that they were having to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. So their parent brought it to court mm-hmm. and won the case. And then the the courts ruled against him, I guess, later in an appeal because it turned out he wasn't the real parent. What? And so the whole thing was thrown out. Mm. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. I I have a lot of conflicting feelings about mm-hmm. the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, I have a lot of uh, feelings about the government, mm-hmm. especially right now and mm-hmm. where it is. And mm-hmm. and I think as a as a growing thinking member of society, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. But specifically as someone who is as traveled as I am, mm-hmm. sort of being out and and learning what other people see america doing yeah it can be disturbing yeah um like this is and this is one of those things especially especially in in the in the case of the japanese internment and george takei's experience Mm -hmm. i i didn't know about that yeah and the fact that they make children say it like i I just you just say it, you and know? yeah, and like you say, like you don't really think about it until you see that that's not the norm, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, and it's it, I can imagine that it must be completely 
insane, you know, for anybody leaving their own culture to see something else. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of the point of this whole show. Mm. It's it's a culture shock. You have a lot of things where you're like, oh, okay, this is different here. Yeah. But for that, yeah, and I think because America has projects this image to its citizens that is very different to what everybody else sees, mm. I can imagine that that is insane. Like, to to come out and look back from an outsider's perspective, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, and especially, especially with the words under God being added in 1954, that would have been post-World War II. Mm-hmm. So that would have just been, you know, declaring that everything we did was right and, mm-hmm. you know... God is on our side because we're America and mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I have I have a, a lot of feelings yeah. about it that I don't know how to put a, f- a finger on because yeah. I I am proud of where I'm from mm-hmm. but not necessarily all believing. Like you don't believe everything they tell you anymore. Well, I mean, I don't think I ever necessarily <laughs> okay. believed everything they told yeah. me, but but I, I am proud of where I'm from, but not because not because of where I'm from. I think I see what you're saying. It's just like, I'm proud to be from Texas because that's where I came from. Well, it's part of your identity, too. Yeah. I don't know. I, one, one thing that I find interesting, just on the topic of identity, we were recently in Scotland. Mm-hmm. We were visiting friends and... And um, uh, I went to a uh, a place where I get a special coffee, mm-hmm. and um, I I gave the guy my card, and, and he went, "Oh, America, huh?" And he said, uh, "We won't hold it against you." And I went, I went, "Yeah, I'm sorry mm. <laughs> for being an American. Like <laughs> that sucks." <laughs> I mean, I do that all the time. Yeah, I hate being British. Like, and it's the exact same thing. I'm very proud of where I'm from. I hold a lot of things dear, but I, especially right now, would rather be anything else. Yeah. But I don't know. There's, it, it's all part of identity, and it's all part of seeing the world through a different lens, which I think mm. we're very privileged to be able to do, to mm. be able to do this and talk about this. Mm. And to bring it forward for the rest of the world yeah so we got we got a little bit deep there but let's uh let's spin the wheel shall we and see see what next week will bring yes oh tv okay another tv episode we can lighten it up around here yeah but no i think that was a really good talk i think I didn't know any of that about the Pledge of Allegiance, mm. so thank you very much. And that wasn't even a good lesson on it. Mm. <laughs> There's uh, a lot more to dissect. and Yeah, I'm sure. We only have limited time, unfortunately. Yeah, so we'll do TV next week. Yeah. And uh, in the meantime, you can find the podcast on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, maybe Stitcher Premium, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and we have all of those links on our Twitter account. And, um, oh, I also put a link on my website for this. So if nothing else, you can find it at kalewar.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. 
You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInTo. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. And the show is on Twitter at GoneGlobalPod. And I am on Twitter at Jan91. Oh my god, I can never do this. J-I-A-N-91. Please write in and give us uh, suggestions for the wheel and topics. Tell us about the weird things that you do in your culture. Do you say the Pledge of Allegiance? Why or why not? Do you celebrate Easter? Why or why not? We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please write in. Uh, Okay, see you next week. Hold your horses. (laughs) Special thanks to Marco Cunolata for our theme song, Traveling in Bliss. And you can find him at Mr. Marco Animoto on Twitter. Okay, now, see you next week. See you next week. Bye.